Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Seeker Plus. I'm your host, Julian Huguet, and today we're going to take an in-depth look at a concept that's burst into the forefront of the public's consciousness recently, even though it's been slowly simmering under the surface for years. This idea has literally limitless possibilities, for better or for worse, and depending on who you ask, it's either a decade away or it's already here. Today, we're going to explore the metaverse. I mean, not literally like Tron or anything, but conceptually, obviously. We're going to break it down into three parts. What the metaverse is, what's required to build it, and the possible upsides and downsides. So why has the metaverse become a buzzword all of a sudden? Well, mostly it's thanks to the fact that at the tail end of October 2021, Mark Zuckerberg, co-founder and CEO of Facebook, starred in a video that featured along with an inexplicably placed bottle of barbecue sauce, an important announcement for the company. Facebook was officially changing its name to Meta, a sign of just how much Zuckerberg has staked the company's future on the metaverse. Still, I'm probably going to slip and call it Facebook a whole bunch in this show. I mean, do you remember when Google rebranded to Alphabet? Because I can't ever get that right still. Anyway, after watching the hour-plus presentation, I still wasn't exactly sure I understood what the metaverse is or why I would want to participate in it. So I did some digging. And it turns out that no one really has one solid definition for what the metaverse is or will be. Some commentators say it already exists in a form, while others would argue we're years away from a true metaverse. It may help to go back to where the term originated, a 1992 sci-fi novel by Neal Stephenson called Snow Crash. In the book, Stevenson's characters can enter a shared virtual space that's a successor to the internet. It's synchronous, so when one user interacts with the world in some way, other users can see the effects and react in real time. And it's persistent, meaning it keeps going when a user logs off. Although it's so immersive, some users never leave. Users access it through virtual reality goggles and experience it as a gigantic city street. In the metaverse, people can do everything they can do in the real world. They can socialize, shop, explore. There might even be digital doubles of real-world places for them to visit. The virtual nature of the world opens up more possibilities, though, like floating light shows, or areas where the laws of physics are different, or where people can kill each other. I mean, not each other, really, but each other's avatars. They're digital representations that can take any form. The book is also credited with popularizing the term avatar, but the idea is actually borrowed from Hinduism, where an avatar is the incarnation of a deity in human or animal form. A lot of these things are probably ringing a bell for a lot of you listening, especially if you're like me and you play video games. Video games have been bringing people together virtually for decades in a way that more closely resembles the metaverse than other online media. Not all video games, mind you. Video games are, after all, an enormous amorphous blob of genres. Single-player games where you have no avatar, like Tetris, those bear no resemblance. Some first-person shooters support multiplayer lobbies that can host as many as 150 people interacting instantaneously, you know, as long as they're not lagging out, warping everywhere, and they're impossible to hit. But the world isn't persistent. The maps reset between matches, even if players reduce them to rubble. Some games, though, incorporate so many features of a metaverse, the similarities are hard to unsee. Some argue that Minecraft should count as a metaverse. It's a game where people spend hours upon hours literally sculpting their own worlds cube by cube. 
If the world is hosted on a public server, it can be shared by huge numbers of people, and each one of them is capable of contributing to it. Each world can establish its own rules, and players can have the freedom to modify the rules or the game in just about any creative way their technical skill permits. If users don't like a certain world, they can just take their avatar to another. There are Minecraft economies that have cropped up totally organically. Players can buy and sell goods with in-game currency or with real legal tender. Another game that's been pointed to as an existing metaverse is Fortnite. It had a meteoric rise as a free-to-play battle royale, but it's grown into so much more. Its popularity brought big competing powers together like Microsoft and Sony, allowing players using hardware from each company to play together, and even use characters that were once exclusive to their games like Kratos from God of War and Master Chief from Halo. Fortnite's developer Epic also expanded what players could do with a creative mode where users could make custom maps and games or even just places to hang out. Fortnite has hosted concerts from big name artists like Marshmello with spectacular effects that are impossible in real life, and over 10 million people logged in to watch it live. Yeah, that's right, 10 million people watched a digital DJ with a marshmallow for a head pretending to mix, because, you know, he's on a virtual turntable. Now, it might be hard to wrap your head around something like that if you didn't grow up constantly online, but it's less about the event and more about the communal experience. For tons of young people, the digital realm of Fortnite is just as much a valid place to socialize with their friends as any physical space like a shopping mall or a real-life concert venue. So a lot of ingredients are there, but for a few key reasons, some would argue they fall short of a true metaverse. For one, they're still experienced the same way we consume most things on the internet, through a flat 2D screen. To separate itself from the internet as we know it, users should feel a sense of presence, like they're actually inhabiting the world. Zuckerberg is keen on making VR a cornerstone of his vision, which might explain why in 2014 Facebook bought Oculus, an early leader in VR headset hardware. What we have today also falls short in two other key areas. One is the limit for concurrent users in a world. The internet just wasn't built to support large numbers of people interacting with a shared world simultaneously. Servers that could host battle royale games like Fortnite, where a hundred people duke it out simultaneously while they speed build walled cities of Troy, those only became possible recently. 10 million people may have watched Marshmello's Fortnite concert, but they did it split off into 100,000 separate shows that took place more or less at the same time. Server capacities are growing. New World, a game that launched in September 2021, can host as many as 2,000 players in a single world. But the imagined metaverse will have no limit to concurrent players. In it, all 10 million concert goers could watch a DJ with their avatars shoulder to shoulder. One more thing the metaverse requires is greater interoperability, although exactly how much, no one can agree. Maybe a person's avatar can be consistent everywhere they go in the metaverse. Maybe people can use a universal currency to buy anything for sale, or bring items and assets from one game or place to another, seamlessly. Today, if you play Minecraft, you can do basically whatever you want, so long as it's within Minecraft. You could farm 500 million potatoes, but you can't bring them over to Fortnite and start hucking spuds at Kratos. Make him potatoes. You might consider each of these games a metaverse unto themselves, but what many futurists picture is one massive, 
all-encompassing online realm. It'll even include the internet as we know it today, and an augmented reality layer that sits on top of the real world. Not a metaverse, the metaverse. That's the end goal of companies like Facebook. Meta, sorry, I'm never gonna get that right. How exactly we achieve this immersive, unified virtual space is anyone's guess. A lot of big name players and smaller stakeholders are positioning themselves to shape it. So let's talk about what needs to happen for the metaverse to actually get built. A lot of pieces required for this massive undertaking are already in place today. Take VR headsets, for example. They're at a place where they can render scenes now at high enough resolution and frame rate that they don't cause motion sickness. At least, not for most people. Some don't even need to be plugged into PC graphics cards to work. Facebook's Quest 2 uses a chip similar to what you might find in a smartphone. Even smartphones could work, though. Dedicated headsets often have handheld hardware for interacting with virtual objects, but hand tracking does exist. There are some foot tracking controllers, but they're not super common yet, so most VR avatars are just floating legless torsos, and it's kind of immersion breaking. Avatars also tend to be more on the cartoonish side. If people want more true-to-life looking ones, there are some technical barriers that developers are working to overcome. Human touches, like matching lip-syncing and appropriate facial expressions, can be the difference between having a pleasant VR chat with a good friend and talking to a soulless inhuman imposter. So companies are working on headsets with more sensors to track your face movements, or AI algorithms that can take speech and convert it to 3D facial animation. Full disclosure, I should mention at this point, I also work for NVIDIA, a company that is working on metaverse technologies like this sort of AI. The biggest question mark that's looming over everything is how it's all going to work together. What standards and protocols will everyone universally adopt that makes everything run smoothly? This was a key part of getting the World Wide Web to work. Everyone adopted HTML that browsers can all use to decipher websites, standardized IP addresses tell computers where to send data, a domain name system assigns IP addresses to URLs that are easier for users to remember. In the early days of the internet, all of this had to be sorted out, and it was a chaotic process. Most of us didn't see it unfold though, because the first internet users were academics who were just looking for a way to share research and send messages. Nobody tried to make their proprietary technology the key to the whole thing. In fact, the creator of HTML, a computer scientist based at CERN named Tim Berners-Lee, believed that making his creation free to everyone was the key to a truly worldwide network. It wasn't until after the groundwork was established that private companies realized, hey, this internet thing could catch on. With the metaverse, companies are seeing an opportunity to make themselves essential for the next internet. A heavyweight title fight is brewing between some of the biggest names in tech, and each has their strengths. Facebook, I mean meta, has an enormous user base, and if they can convince them that the metaverse is A, worth partaking in, and B, best experienced in VR, their ownership of Oculus will be a huge advantage. Epic Games not only has Fortnite, which we established is nearly a metaverse already, they also made the game engine Fortnite was built in, Unreal. Unreal is free for developers to download and work in, Epic just takes a cut when the game sells. Because of this, it's become massively widespread. It's even found users in the film industry. 
The Mandalorian was rendered with Unreal Engine and it was used on set in real time for framing shots and placing actors. That could set up Epic in a great spot to establish their software as a key piece that enables interoperability. Google has experience making augmented reality glasses and wearables, the company has mapped entire cities, which could be useful for making digital replicas, and their Android operating system is the most widespread in the world. Amazon's primed to send people physical goods they might buy in the virtual world, yes that pun was intended, Microsoft has their mixed reality HoloLens headset and an established business software suite, and Apple has their mobile devices and wearables and the App Store. So. Who's to say who, if anyone, will come out ahead? This could go any number of ways, and some unknown dark horse could end up being the savviest operator or breakthrough innovator. Some developers don't like the idea of a large company controlling too much, so they've created a decentralized digital world appropriately called Decentraland. But whether or not that becomes the dominant thing, I don't know. If I had to bet though, I think the most likely outcome is some of these big tech companies will get a big slice of the pie, but they'll still have to cooperate with each other in the end. Nvidia has developed something they call Omniverse, which allows proprietary programs to talk to each other. This lets 3D designers collaborate in real time when they build a virtual world. It's easy to see how something like that could be the interstitial glue that's holding the component parts of the metaverse together. Interoperability is a huge technical challenge, but it's also a big design problem too. Let's say you're in one part of the metaverse, you're playing a single player game, and you unlock a shiny new weapon. Let's call it a Technoblade 9000. And you're just mowing down mobs of AI controlled enemies with this thing. If there were no limits on interoperability, you'd be able to take it to another game world, like a multiplayer game. Here's the thing though, game devs spend tons of time trying to balance weapons so no single one becomes a must pick or dominates the game. If just anyone can show up all of a sudden with a Technoblade 9000, they could ruin the experience for everyone else. This is already an issue today. Call of Duty is such a big IP that multiple developers work on different offshoots of the franchise. In 2020, the series introduced a battle royale mode, and later that year, the mode incorporated a bunch of weapons from another Call of Duty game, a couple of which were way overpowered. Basically, if you wanted to win, you had to use these two guns, and the game got stale and frustrating. To add to the confusion, both games had different versions of weapons with the same name. Keep in mind, these problems came from mixing two slightly different games. Can you imagine what would happen if you could literally show up to a sword fight with a gun? Or a tank? So maybe there should be limits on items players can bring from one part of the world to another, but what about cosmetic items? Well, that might be more of a gray area. Some cosmetics in games can give players a competitive advantage. Again, my mind goes to Call of Duty when players could unlock a skin that covered them completely in a solid shade of black. A lot of players took advantage of this by hiding in dark corners and pouncing on enemies who couldn't see them. If it wasn't clear, I feel like I've been personally victimized by Call of Duty. Now, there might be other ways that total interoperability might be an issue in the world. Uh, who's to say exactly how bringing whatever you want from one place to anywhere else is going to be an issue, but I'm sure people will figure out creative ways to be terrible on the internet.
But let's imagine all of these issues are solved. We build a network infrastructure that can handle limitless people in a shared world at once. All the code and hardware works together seamlessly, and we've struck a nice balance on what's allowed anywhere and what's kept in certain fenced-off areas. What will the world look like at that point? How will the metaverse change things for the better? And how will it change them for the worse? Now, keep in mind, I don't have a crystal ball that tells me exactly what's in store for the future. The scenarios I'm going to lay out are mostly experts' concerns based on what they think is likely going to happen, but nobody knows for sure. An obvious concern is people's privacy. Facebook, at Meta, became a tremendously wealthy and powerful company by offering a free platform for users to share their pictures and interact. Though free doesn't mean no strings attached. There's an adage I love that goes, if something is free, you are the product. It was first said by artist Richard Serra in 1973, long before social media. Serra was referring to television and how it wasn't made to deliver entertainment to an audience, but really to deliver an audience to advertisers. Technology has gotten more sophisticated, but the goal remains the same. Tech companies today, like Facebook and Google, are worth gobs of money because they offer services to people in exchange for data about them. Advertisers can use this data to figure out what you like and what messages you respond to, and then they can snipe you with a specific ad. A social media profile where a user fills out every minute detail about themselves is basically a hand-wrapped present for an advertiser with a little bow on top. But that data isn't always collected or used innocuously. Facebook faced a huge scandal in 2018 when it came out that another company, Cambridge Analytica, exploited the platform by asking users to grant access to their Facebook profiles before taking a questionnaire. When users agreed, Cambridge Analytica not only harvested their data, but the data of their Facebook friends who never agreed to anything. 87 million people were affected, and their data was then used to show them targeted political ads. At the very least, it was unethical, and an eye-opening demonstration of how exposed Facebook had left everyone's data. Four years after the scandal, and Facebook, now Meta, is selling users on an even more engrossing platform that, in order to work, will need to collect still more data, like tracking your body, watching your facial expressions, napping your house. What's more, Meta made their pitch while in the middle of another scandal. Come on, Meta! The latest one stems from the reality that once platforms sell your data to advertisers, they then have an incentive to keep you there longer. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all of them are constantly searching for ways to keep you watching and scrolling longer, so more ads hit your eyeballs. Unfortunately, people react really strongly to extremes and often slowly get funneled by an algorithm into more and more extreme content. I don't necessarily mean extreme political ideologies, although there is that, but the content can also be harmful to people's health. A month before the meta announcement, a whistleblower within Facebook came forward with internal documents. The whistleblower claimed the company found their own Instagram algorithm promotes eating disorder content to young girls. Within a month of the whistleblower coming forward, Facebook changed its name to Meta, and Meta's first act was to ask you to join a world where you could have an avatar that looks however you want. There could be lots of fun options, like a funky robot, or if you're Mark Zuckerberg, a dude in exactly the same outfit you're already wearing. Or it could be a body with proportions that are impossible to obtain. 
Research on how face filters in today's popular apps are affecting people, particularly young girls, is troubling. Studies have found that 50% of young girls think photos of themselves aren't good enough without a filter, and 60% feel upset when their real appearance doesn't match their online one. Some plastic surgeons have noted more and more patients wanting to look more like their filtered selves, sometimes in ways that are impossible to duplicate with surgery. There's a great episode, by the way, of Seeker's Body Language series with my friend Marin Hunsberger that talks all about this. I'll link it in the show notes. So what are full-body, totally customizable avatars going to do to our self-image? How will our physical health be impacted if we're completely surrounded by a world that's designed to keep us there as long as possible? I don't know. But it could get worse. I mentioned that extremes drive engagement. Well, the funny thing about misinformation is when stuff is made up, it can get pretty extreme. Coupled with the fact that many platforms have a business model that's built around users generating mountains of content, and misinformation can run rampant with consequences that are life or death, you need look no further than the COVID misinformation that's prolonged this pandemic, and it's led to who knows how much preventable death. Although you should look further because in 2018, it came to light that Myanmar's military was spreading misinformation on Facebook to foment support within the country for ethnic cleansing. Facebook took down the profiles of prominent military leaders to counter the spread, but a veritable army of troll accounts and pages weren't detected. If Facebook and other companies build a virtual world so vast it's bigger than the earth, how will they keep misinformation and extremism from flourishing in its darkest corners? And is it even their place to try? Now, I know I've brought up Facebook a lot, but to be fair, the company's founding motto was move fast and break things. For years, many companies have been getting set for a race to create the metaverse, and Facebook must feel pretty confident because Zuckerberg just fired the starter's pistol. The goal is to create something that will, by definition, transform society, and their track record is less than stellar. Maybe it's time to slow down. Try not to break anything. Okay, that was a heavy dose of possible pitfalls, and honestly, there were a lot I didn't cover, like how will we handle online harassment in a world where everyone has a sense of presence, and what new and exciting ways will we be vulnerable to hackers? But there must be enough of an upside to make it appealing for users, right? I mean, why else would these enormous companies want to tackle this monumental and very expensive undertaking? Well, a designable, collaborative 3D world could make some amazing things possible. Already, we're seeing inklings of what could be. Telecom engineers are working in full-scale replicas of cities built using NVIDIA's Omniverse technology. The cities are accurate down to even the materials the buildings are made of and the density of foliage. This way, they can experiment with how to best lay out a 5G cellular network. 5G delivers faster speeds, but to do it, it uses higher frequency radio waves that are easily blocked by trees and buildings. In a virtual city, engineers can move nodes around for better coverage and actually see the signal paths that are invisible in the real world. People are gathering in VR spaces today to see old friends and to meet new ones. During COVID, I actually went to a friend's birthday party in VR. We watched a bad movie, we drew inappropriate art on the screen. It was a bright spot in an otherwise bleak time. I've never met this friend in real life, by the way. He and I just got paired up together in a battle royale. So another way that gaming and VR and the metaverse might bring people together. 
VR also can make people get up and exercise in ways that most games on a flat screen can't, and VR experiences can evoke empathy in ways that other online interactions can't. So again, I don't know what's going to happen with the metaverse, if it'll get built, how it'll get built, if people will actually adopt it and want to spend time there. I saw Fortnite at a gaming convention before it was a battle royale, and I thought, eh, it's cute, but it'll never catch on. Now here I am talking about how it might change everything, so shows you how much I know. But after reading about the metaverse, I have one takeaway. As the metaverse takes shape, it's important that we, the users and inhabitants of this future world, take an interest in how it's built and who controls it. Well, that's it for this Seeker Plus on the metaverse, and hopefully you've got a clearer idea on exactly what it is, at least. If there are other big topics you think that we should look into, be sure to let us know. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you next time on Seeker Plus.